the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, to say that the culture around us, the culture of this nation, the direction that it's heading, and the culture of many nations like us, to say, whether we want to admit it or not, that our culture is rapidly becoming a godless group of people, a godless nation, would be quite the understatement from everything that we're saying. Satan is having a field day. He's moving people more and more towards separation from God through humanism. And humanism, very simply defined, I think if you look at our culture, you'll see it as this. Humanism is this. In the Old Testament, there's a scripture that perfectly defines humanism. It says, when everyone was doing what is right in their own eyes. In other words, there is no revealed truth from a creator, a God, a loving God. There's no revealed truth. Truth rests in the eye of every individual. Whatever they say is truth is truth, and that's the way life should be lived. It's a people who make themselves God, which is exactly what Satan wants. You see? And this is the culture, the darkness in which we are currently dwelling. And when we think about it, for all of us in the church, it can certainly seem, particularly in this day and age, that for us to have any eternal impact, into a culture such as this, and like this present world, to somehow be used of God as vessels, blessed vessels, of healing and redemption and restoration and deliverance. For any of you, for me, to be used like that, to bring light and life into this world, can seem sometimes, in our mind, can seem like a mountain that's just too tough to climb. Sometimes it can seem to us as a bit of an impossible situation. And yet the reality is, this is the exact same world into which Jesus Christ came in the first place. And He filled people, His earliest disciples, and thousands on the day of Pentecost with His Holy Spirit and doing them with power in this small little sliver of the entire world. The rest of the world didn't know God. The entire world didn't know and yet God manifested His kingdom in and through them. You see, if we come to the belief, the problematic belief, that this world is going to hell in a handbasket, to use the expression, which many of us feel we look around and see happening. If we come to the belief that the world's going to hell in a handbasket, that we Christ church, a people filled with dynamis, divine power, are powerless, to have any kingdom impact. That God can do anything in and through us for the salvation of this world. That we are thinking through the limitations of our own deficiencies and our own humanity. We are not thinking and believing in the God that we know. And what He has always done through imperfect vessels. And so today in our gospel reading, Christ's desire is to encourage us once again. That he longs to have our cooperation in the mighty works of God for the salvation of the world. In our gospel reading from St. Matthew chapter 8, 
we have the story of the feeding of what St. Mark calls the feeding of the 4,000. Jesus had been teaching for three days straight. Not only had been teaching, also in, Saint Gospel, in, in the uh, Gospel of St. Matthew chapter 8, we also are told that Jesus had been healing all who were sick of body during those three days. It's an unbelievable ministry that was taking place with a massive crowd of people. And after three days, we're told that Jesus had compassion on the crowd because in those three days, with all the teaching and the ministry, they had not eaten. No one pictured that, had eaten for three days. Now you have to ask yourself a question. Over 4,000 people, that's probably 4,000 men, not counting women and children. They are so enthralled by the kingdom of God coming through Jesus Christ by word and by action that they don't even go and find something to eat. They remain with him for three days. But after three days, he has compassion on them. And so he says that to his disciples. His disciples ask a very interesting question. In fact, I love this question. They ask Jesus, how can anyone satisfy the hunger of so many with bread here in the wilderness? When I read that this week, a chuckle rose up in me for one reason. How can anyone, how can we feed the masses? How can anyone satisfy the hunger with bread in the wilderness of so many? They're speaking to the God who had done so for 40 plus years in the Old Testament. For this was the bread of life. Who every morning gave his people Israel the bread of heaven. The manna from heaven every morning to save their life, to keep their life, to sustain them on their journey into the promised land. So they ask him this question, how can anyone do such a thing? How their faith still needed to grow. Is this not like us? I take great comfort. And we are just like them. And what we'll see happen. See, to the, to the disciples, based on the little that they had, they were faced with an impossible situation. Absolutely impossible. But was it one? Was it an impossible situation? Left to their humanity, left to their limitations, it most certainly was impossible to feed 4,000 plus people with the little food that they had in the wilderness. But the reality is that they were not left to their own limitations. They were not left to their weakness and their humanity and the little that they had because the bread of life was present with them. And they were present with him. And I want you to hear this. And I pray that this gets written somehow into our souls. I pray it gets written into mine. I want you to hear this truth. God has never known or been faced with an impossible situation. I'll say that one more time. God has never known or been faced with an impossible situation. Now let's see what Jesus does in this gospel with his disciples on behalf of the crowd, the multitude of folks that were with him. Because what he does with the disciples that we're going to see in this gospel, he can do, will do, and desires to do with us on a daily basis if we will attend to the one who is ever present with us in our lives. When faced with this so-called impossible situation, let me tell you what Jesus doesn't do. 
He doesn't cast them down for the weakness of their faith, their disbelief, and the lack of what they had. He doesn't shove them to the side and say, please, I'll take care of this. And then he does it. Maybe your faith will be built when you see what I do. That is not what Jesus does. Instead, he draws his disciples into being part of the equation of the miraculous solution. He invites them to cooperate with him in what he knew he could do and would do that day for the masses. And their faith would go great, grow greatly from what they would see. Because just as they asked Jesus, how can anyone satisfy all these multitudes of people with bread in the wilderness? Jesus returns it with a question. He says, what, how many loaves do you have? That seems a ridiculous question, but it's not. What's he really asking them? He's looking at his disciples and saying, I know we have a problem. I am the solution. What do you have to be a part of it? What do you have? He doesn't ask them for what they lack. He doesn't chide them and put them down and shame them that they do not have enough to fulfill what needs to happen on that day. He invites them to be a part of the miraculous demonstration and manifestation of the kingdom of God on the earth to the benefit of all of those who were there that day. And here's what he does. They answer the question. We have seven loaves of bread and food. And they offer it to Jesus. They offer him what they had. And what does he do? We're told that he took the bread, he broke it, and blessed it. We've seen this formula before. He took the bread, broke it, blessed it. He took the fish and he blessed them. And then he said, set the food out in front of the people. And in your mind's eye, if you can picture this, seven loaves of bread and a few fish. This mass comes forth. Have you ever seen people who haven't eaten for days finally get food? You think they were delicate about it? Many of them would have rushed, grabbed, grabbed what they could, begun to stuff their faces because they were hungry. And we are told that out of seven loaves of bread and a few small fish that the disciples had offered Christ, he took it and he blessed it. The food never ran out. All were filled. And not only were all filled, he went even further. There was much left over. They could have fed more. They could have fed more. Let's look again at the progression of what happened. The disciples were faced in their mind's eye with an impossible situation. Jesus asked the disciples, limited what they had, limited by their humanity, what do you have? He never asks us, for anything other than what we have. But he asks us to offer all we have. What do you have? And in doing so, he invited them to participate in the ministry of the kingdom of heaven and the Son of God. And so they joined. And miraculously, the people were fed. They were all satisfied with much left over. By the synergy. That is the cooperation of man with God and God with man. The idea of an impossible situation was utterly vanquished. And the kingdom of God was indeed manifest on the earth. You know, when I first became a pastor some 20 years ago, I had a mentor. The mentor's name was Dan Sneed, an exceptional man. Loved the people of God. 
And when he was teaching on this very subject once, he said something I found very interesting. He said, you know, the problem that we have as Christians is not so much in a lack of belief that God can do anything. At least in theory, even if we have just a little faith, we believe in the idea that God can do absolutely anything. He said, that's not the problem. He said, the problem is we lack the faith and the belief that God can do absolutely anything in and through us. Because we are so focused, we look, rightly so, the church calls us to look inwardly, to see the sin nature that God wants to continuously heal, to see our deficiencies. We do look at that. But we look at that to come to the blessed repentance that joins us to God and we find healing. The problem is we get stuck looking. And we look at our deficiencies and we look at what Christ desires to do, bringing his salvation to the darkness of this world. And we struggle to believe that he can do that through me, through you. In fact, he said, if you remember, we tend to be like the spies that went into the promised land. If you remember, after the exodus, Moses leads God's people, the Hebrew people, to the brink of the promised land. And God says, send in spies into the land. So Moses did. He sent in the spies. They went. They saw Jericho. They saw all of these different places, these incredible fortifications and the people that dwelled therein. And they come back. And all but Joshua and Caleb, who had faith, all but them, you know the report they gave? See if this isn't us sometimes. They reported to all of Israel. We went and saw everything that was in there, the people that dwelled therein. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Compared to the might. Compared to the fortresses. Compared to all that we saw. The strength of the masses that are in the promised land. We felt like this. And so they refused to enter in. And wanted to go back to Egypt for crying out loud. And that's when they began their nice little jaunt for 40 years around the See, the problem with those spies was much more they didn't believe that God could do what we all know He can do through them. Isn't that like us sometimes? And yet we know that after 40 years, Joshua would lead God's people into the promised land. And those very people that really did look like grasshoppers compared to everything they saw, the walls of Jericho came down. And the promised land was granted to His people. How do you see yourselves? In all honesty, we need to get our eyes off of ourselves in this manner. To come to the belief that God has always been taking human, frail, broken humanity, weaknesses, and saying, come and join me, and through you, I will bring salvation to the earth. What do you have if we will simply offer that? It doesn't matter what the world looks like. It matters what Christ is like. 